You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join in the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Hey, it's Straight Talk with Father Brian Christensen here on Real Presence Live. Do you know what this means? This means call in with your questions at 877-795-0122 or get on Facebook and look for Father Brian's picture. Right under the Real Presence Radio Network sign, there's a picture. It says, Straight Talk, Father Brian Christensen. Now, some questions you might want to ask are, Hmm, Father, what does it mean when the Bible says X, Y, and Z? Or maybe you want to ask him, What can we do for Advent? Or maybe you want to ask him, Father, what's your favorite, I don't know, liturgical season? Anything is up for grabs right now. So call 877-795-0122. All right, Karen, it's good to be back. Straight talk. This is my first straight talk. You're, I know. It, you're going to do great. Wow, no, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, uh, I am uh, excited about uh, you know my favorite liturgical season. So I don't know if anyone's going to ask that. But, oh, there uh, you go. So, but yeah, no, I'll just give a little hint. It's coming up here. It's coming in about up about ten here. days. Excellent, <laughs> boy. That's a really obvious hint. <laughs> Maybe nobody needs to ask anymore. I don't know. So the way that this works, if you call in, you can give your question to the person, the employee who answers the phone, or you can actually ask Father yourself. They'll connect you to us, and you can ask Father yourself. I think that that's a great opportunity because you can have a little conversation with Father and interact with his, you know, he just doesn't give you the answer. You get to ask a little more detail if you feel you need it. So again, call 877-795-0122. Well... I have a question to get you started, Father. All right. Lay it on me, Karen. Yeah. It, it's actually a question from one of the students in my confirmation class. And actually, we've been um, putting uh, a list of questions together for Father Timothy so for when he comes to visit. Because there's just some questions, yes, I could answer. But I think a priest's perspective maybe will sure. just be a little better. So one of the questions that one of my students asks is, how can you prove to an atheist that the Bible is true? Yeah, prove. That's a real challenge. I think one of the ways in which we treat um, those who say that they don't believe in God is first to come to understand them, right? I want to give them some kind of apologetic answer and um, reason with them, um, but the very premise um, is missing, right? If you don't have the very premise Mm -hmm. that there is God who communicates to us, I don't know how you're even going to begin there, right? Right. So I think the beginning is uh, an approach of apologetics, of evangelization, of, of, you know, respectfully dialoguing with our friends who claim that they don't believe in God, um, is to just ask them about the God they don't believe in. Tell me about you. So turn the question around in oh, a way. Oh, interesting. Right? So I want to say to my friend who says to me, why do you think the Bible is, is from God? Because there's no God. Oh, well, tell me, why do you believe that there's no God? And there's a host of reasons right. why they may, right? The suffering in the world. A the, loving God. There's no such thing as God because there's so much suffering in this world. Why would he let this happen? Exactly. So those kind of conversations can really lead us deeper to the heart of the person. Because that person who's asking you a question about why do you believe the Bible 
um, is is the word of God, why you think it's true or authentic or inspired, I mean, is, is open to a really beautiful conversation. Those people don't just ask that. Because they're just trying to throw you under the bus. I, uh, yes, yeah. I would say that. That Now you have a, a kind of a missionary moment. Now, it can go well, it cannot go well, but, but I think that asking them to explain to, the, to you about that, then you can kind of go to the heart of it. But on the side just of the inspired nature of the Word of God, to say, okay, this is what I believe. Right? I'm not, right. I don't know that I'm going to convince you today. Right, and that's just what I was going to point out. I mean, you're not going to have to solve the world's problems no, in one and, day. And, and this we're not responsible, either. whether I'm a yeah. priest or a confirmation 13-year-old yeah. candidate, that to to convince somebody of this. But I think explaining my belief that I believe that there is a God who created all things, who reveals himself to us. He wants us to know him so yeah. that we may live in relationship with him and enjoy the fullness of life. And so he has spoken to us across the ages. Um, and that's been recorded in this, the sacred scriptures across the, um, these millennia, really. Right. And handed down to us as God's word speaking to us, revealing us to us who he is who we are, where we're going, and how to get there. It's funny that the, that, that comes up in confirmation class. When I was 13 and confirmed uh, in my parish, I had to answer the question with, the, with my pastor. I said, why do you believe that our Catholic faith is true? And I said, well, to me, it has to be the scriptures. Now, this is the 13-year-old Father Brian speaking, right? <laughs> it has to be the sacred scriptures because um, who, who, I thought in my mind at that time, who could make all of this stuff up over all of this time, and it fits so, so beautifully well. together as a beautiful plan unfolding um, throughout the history of the world for me and for all of us. I thought, yeah, that this is not by accident. This is not by accident. Yeah, and it gives you such a a clear path on how to you know walk to get through life. I mean, you're not going to stumble. You know, you're going to stumble and fall, and it's going to tell you how to do this. But it's not it's not a fail safe in the sense of Stumbling and falling is a good thing. And people, I think, that come up to that roadblock, there is no God. They don't see that the whole fallen things when bad things happen. That there's a purpose behind that. But we can, when we have the Bible, to see, you know, Amen. there's Amen. good. There's good that can come from that. So, all right. So, get on Facebook. Look for Father Brian's uh, picture under the Straight Talk post. Um, put your question there or call 877 0122. We have both lines open right now. You'll be the first in line. You know, that doesn't always happen at a talk show when they call in. You know, you call in. First in line. Yeah, EWTN. You know, you have to be. Got to wait on line, on hold. Yeah, you have to be out of country before you get knocked to the first in line. Oh, wow. That should be. So now you just have to be. You know, listening to us First right now. Line. Well, I gave that tease about the my favorite season. It's definitely Advent. Advent. And it, you know, it's funny. Things have a lot of, um, has, you know, sentimental value to about it. And then, as I've grown up over the years, it has also you know deeper theological mm. meanings as well. So, I mean, from early on in my household, you know, my my father is not Catholic. Right, I knew that. But right, we've don't. talked about that yeah. before on the show. My dad's not Catholic. My mom is the, the um, uber Catholic, right? Uh, so and so, we grew up in a very Catholic home. My dad was very supportive of that. Um, but he did. He would go to as a young boy. He would go to his Presbyterian services on Sunday. We go to mass and we'd meet afterwards. And he would um, he would have breakfast ready for us, like brunch on Sundays. It was a great deal. I remember my sister Kelly asked him one time when she was about four or five. She asked my mom. She said, "Mommy, why does 
why does daddy not come to church with us? And my mom's like, oh no, here we go. We got to explain this. And <laughs> here we go. So my sister, before my mother could answer, Kelly says, oh no, no, never mind, never mind. And my mom said, no, I can explain it to you. No, no, never mind, never mind. And my mom's like, why don't you want to know the answer? He said, well, if dad came to church with us, who would bake brunch for us? <laughs> very practical. <laughs> I know, very practical. But one of the things about Advent, going back to my childhood days, is my dad at the dinner table always led our Advent devotions. So we'd have oh. the Advent wreath um, yeah. And the candles, um, and each where there's four of us kids, we each got to light one of the candles for you know I was the oldest, so I got to light the first candle. And <laughs> so um, the real competition was who got to blow them out, right? Oh yeah, we yeah. we we have that same right? thing. But my dad would take the little devotion for Advent and, and begin the prayers mm-hmm. and read the scripture passage for the day. Um, we do short intercessory prayer and then pray our um, our meal blessing. So it was one of the things where your family was gathered together. Celebrating a liturgical season together. Yes, yeah, and That's having beautiful. that liturgy in the house, led by my father, who uh, who you know didn't didn't normally participate yeah. in our devotion. I mean, right. he wasn't found playing the rosary at Lent with us. Right, right. <laughs> well, if you guys have a question for Father, if you want to expand upon Advent and your favorite memory of Advent from childhood, call eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Well, now. I have to ask, now, Advent is a time where um, we kind of quiet ourselves. and, and, and I mean, unless, of course, you're considering planned giving, then, you know, get yourself all riled up for planned giving and end-of-the-year gift to Real Presence Radio. You're going to like that, huh, Mike? <laughs> but <laughs> but we calm down and we put ourselves into a, uh, I guess, a state of connection with, with Mary as she's in her final times carrying our Lord and, and the struggle that they have to get to Bethlehem and the struggle they have at no room at the inn. And and the stories, I think, of Advent really hit us all in a, a different way than Lent does. I mean, the story of Christ's suffering, I mean, that impacts us one way. But the the story of his birth, of Christ's birth, and the, the, the weeks and the days leading up to that, that we go through in Advent, I think are a very, uh, a good way to start into winter into the whole sheltering in and coming closer to our lord in the winter time so one of i also like advent advent is probably my favorite liturgical season as well because of of that and i felt i think more connected with mary as i had Mm -hmm. more and more children and there was a point where my third son was born three days after christmas and so I really, really felt that. Right. A very experiential uh, yeah. moment in, the, in walking with Mary. But can you tell me, I mean, we, we focus a lot in Advent on the birth of Christ and, and that part of it. But why do we read the Old Testament, the Jesse Tree devotion? Why is that in Advent when we're focusing on the birth of Christ? Yeah, no, that's a good question, Karen. I, I think one of the things, too, just listening to you describe Advent as this quiet, reflective, meditative walk with Mary and Joseph through the, their way into Bethlehem and ultimately preparing for the birth of Jesus, it seems very countercultural, first it and does. foremost. Like, because people are saying, what? It's quiet and relaxed and meditative and reflective because... For many people, between now and Christmas can be often be hectic, chaotic, loud. Uh, and loud. And so I do think that Advent, as the proposition of God and his church, um, is very countercultural, right? Is it supposed to be loud, chaotic, 
you know, mm-hmm. racing around. Um, Christmas shopping and Christmas shopping and all and of Christmas that. parties. And you know, and I think, you know, many of that, is, a lot of those aspects are good, but they overwhelm us because that's the way of the world. Like, again, that's mm-hmm. the world dictating to us and, and, tr- and us buying into the world more than we buy into um, and adhere to the ways of God and his holy church. Bring yourself to quiet. Prepare your hearts, prepare your homes, prepare your families for the coming of the Lord right. in this uh, Advent season. So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, first of all, I just was struck by your description of Advent, <laughs> which I, I, that's one of the reasons why I love to enter into Advent, both, you know, prayerfully in my personal life and in the life of the church is liturgical life and communal life because it is that movement. So you bring up the question, what? Why do we go to the Old Testament, yeah. this whole Jesse tree uh, devotional? First of all, the Jesse tree, right? I don't know if all our listeners are aware of the Jesse tree, um, you're right? It comes from yeah. Isaiah, yeah. out of the stump of Jesse shall spr- sprout a, you know, a sprout, um, right. and a bud shall blossom, right? Um, that out of this you know, cut-off line of the house of Jesse, which is King David, King David yep. um, will come the Savior. And so the whole Old Testament readings throughout Advent and the Jesse tree devotion where we have a... Uh, a dead tree, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> a dead tree in our house where we start to each day recall the beautiful history of salvation. That throughout Advent we remember creation and we remember the flood and we remember the covenant with Abraham and we remember the covenant with David and we move through the prophetic movements and all the things that God has done has set up for this Exactly, moment. throughout the ages yep. to bring us to this fullness of time as the scriptures right. tell us, for the birth of his son, the son of Jesse, the son of David, the son right. of God. And right. so, so all of that helps us again to reflect that Jesus' coming has been prepared for us from the beginning of time. I, which is absolutely beautiful thing that, I mean, God, I'm sorry, but again, God's in control and he's got this plan and, and it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it, I think, you know, this Advent, I mean, for me and for our parish family and for all of our listeners across uh, Real Presence Radio listening area is important because it's a time of great hope. Yeah. Advent is hope that, as you say, God is in charge. God's got a plan. God, in a way, guarantees the success of his plan through his son, Jesus Christ. Right. So no matter what we face... You look back in the Old Testament, you look back through the early church, you look through the whole church's history up until this day, that God is constantly bringing about renewal and new life out of terrible circumstances and situations. And this year, 2020. How, yeah, exactly. And that's what I was just going to say. I mean, if you read the Old Testament, especially as you follow along the Jesse tree, because it, it's tidbits, it's the highlights, it's not... You know, it's not the extended version. You know, it, it doesn't come with all the bonuses on the second DVD. It, it, Jesse Tree walks you through just the moments that you need to focus on to see where Christ, the birth, where it was perfectly placed in human history. Yeah. No, perfectly placed. And now you look back and you think of the Old Testament and you think of how many times did they fall on their face? How many times did God forgive them? How many times did God take them out of the desert, put them where they needed to be? He's still doing that today, right. and we should not despair. No, in a way, I mean, I think that is the challenge of our age right now, right? How many people are so anxious, yeah, so fearful 
um, so isolated, so feeling alone, so feeling overwhelmed. Lost in the desert for 40 lost, years. Lost in the desert. And so here, this Advent for all of us can be an Advent like no other, right? I mean, yeah. here in the midst of this very difficult experience for all of humanity, for all of humanity, in a way that probably we haven't experienced ever in the history of the world, I'm guessing. Yeah. The whole of humanity. I mean, yeah. we had world wars, right? And But affecting deep into your very home right? and into the heart of your community like this. It's going like to this, be a great advent. No, it has the potential to be a great advent. And again, not giving into the to the culture, yeah. but giving into the way of Christ, Christ and his church. Well, we have about 10 minutes left, so you still have time to call 877-795-0122 or get on Facebook and leave your uh, question there for us. Um, I do have um, one question here that came in. Now, I, I know I've heard on some ta- on some shows that if um, extraterrestrials came, what would we do? Well, we'd preach the gospel to them, right? That That's what we do. Let's flip that around, okay? My son would like to know. If extraterrestrials came here and they already knew the gospel, uh, could they baptize humans? Wow, that's an interesting question. Um if they if they were already if they were already um, baptized they already knew the gospel that's a wild thought that's your son thought about that mm-hmm. yeah yeah I mean I think what I think it, we would be sharing in the fullness of creation all the universe belongs to God I um, mean he's reclaimed it through the death and resurrection of his son Jesus Christ and if if he was able to communicate his salvation in Christ through these other um, extraterrestrial, these beings. other beings of his creation, right? The wonder right, and beauty exactly. of his creation. Yeah, why would why we not be we able not? to share the gospel with one another? That's really a powerful thought, you know? Yeah, because we always wonder, what would we do if they came here? But what if they came here already knowing? Yeah, if they already came knowing. So. All right. <laughs> so we have a, a listener question came in. Joe from Fargo wants to know, why do Protestants have blue Advent candles instead of purple? That is a good question, which I do not know the full answer, okay? But, I'll, Joe, I'll give you my best shot at this, and we can kind of try and work this out together. Um, because oftentimes we've seen a movement over the years, and I'm not exactly sure where it arose, to make a distinction between Advent and Lent. Um, and that the, the Lenten season, that the color of Lent oftentimes in some kind of liturgical writings, and not official writings of the church, but just kind of commentators and um, people trying to highlight the special nature of Lent, said that the, the color of violet in Lent should be more red, the blood of Christ. Oh, right. And the violet of Advent should be more bluish, to the tint of blue to represent that Marian expectation, weight, hopefulness. So a kind of a distinction between those two seasons of violet in the church that they should have a little slightly tinted difference. A distinct, a distinct, enough distinctness that you can say this is Lent, this is Advent, but not so far from each other to disconnect them from each other. Exactly. So that's why, you know, we still use the violet colors of the Advent uh, and but you see in certain places where the the bluish tint has come in and maybe even all the way to the blue, color blue. blue. Well, I like to think of it as uh, purple is the color of royalty. Violet's been associated with the color of royalty. And here's the newborn king. And here, I mean, our king suffers and dies. I mean, like it, king remains. 
the king remains in both. And so that that's kind of where I like I like the violet. You know, I like the rose too. I think there's nothing wrong with oh, having yeah, no, a joyful Sunday. Yeah, no, it's great. And it's, it, whenever you have the rose on Leitare Sunday, you know, in Lent or in Gaudete Sunday in the Advent season, it makes a difference. People notice it like they boom. Do. You know, yeah. like, whoa, what's going on here? This is a day of rejoicing. Yeah. I mean, our Lord is almost here. He's right? almost this is, here, or he's almost triumphed. Or he's almost triumphed, whether it's that Leitari Sunday, the rejoicing yeah. Sunday in, uh, in the Lenten season. I, I like how there's connections between the two, two uh, liturgical seasons. I mean, Advent is obviously shorter mm-hmm. than Lent, but it's still, in a way, a time of penance, a time of preparation that could model Lent if we wanted it to, but it doesn't. it's not required. And I like that freedom to be able to take it to where... It feels comfortable for me, but you know. But again, coming closer to our Lord in more of a a silent manner mm-hmm. instead of in a suffering manner, uniting myself, but more so in His silence as His right. born. You know, we talked earlier, I, you know, about the world and about the church, about the busyness and about the peacefulness. I mean, certainly, I, mean, I don't want to sound like Scrooge r- running up to <laughs> Christmas, right? Bah humbug! But the preparation too, both of our hearts and our families. But the preparation of our home, you know, so that's Advent is like we're preparing for the coming of, of Christ, Christ, right? And so that's partly preparing for the coming of family and friends. So right. I do clean out my house. I make yeah. room for them. Like Make room at the you, end. You, you know, you <laughs> rearrange the furniture. You put up the decorations yeah. uh, of Christmas as we approach the, the nativity of our Lord. And, and so we are doing that kind of preparation. But. Again, I just want to echo that it can't just be all these external things that overwhelm us, frazzle us, and take the joy out of what the Lord wishes to do for us. And I like the idea of putting up the Christmas lights and the Christmas tree and having it lit. And you see that, I mean, you're, you're beckoning the wise men to come to see here, follow the light, follow the light. And hopefully, because you've prepared your home well and you've prepared your heart well and you've prepared your family well, the wise men will find Christ I have a great affection for the wise men, for the Magi. At my grandmother's house, again, as kids, you know, you're talking, thinking about these, you know, memories from your childhood. But we used to be able to go, when we visit my grandma, take the wise men and move them a little closer. They were all the way across yeah, the room. Yeah, that's how we do it. And yeah, so we would move them a little bit. And, you know, if my cousins got there earlier or something like that, and they moved mm-hmm. them, and your grandma said, well, you can move them just a little bit more, you know. But, uh, but getting there, we would go there, you know, um, at uh, at New Year's. A lot of times we spent yeah. uh, New yeah. Year's at grandma's. And it was super close to Epiphany and the we're coming of the... We're getting there. We're getting there, and they're like so <laughs> close to the nativity set. And grandma said, no, a few more days, a few more yeah, days. good grandma. What a good grandma. Well, call in everyone with your questions at 877-795-0122. We spent a lot of time on Advent and we've talked about extraterrestrials and all that. How about you, Father? Do you have, like, you were talking about the thir- as a 13-year-old and, and as a confirmation candidate and all that, you know, the questions that you had and that you answered, you know, it's common sense, right? But what is the number one question that you get asked by people? The number one question I get, I mean, I, I think I get asked um, a lot of times um, about about human suffering. You know, people, uh, you know, sh- struggle with the challenges they face in life. And they often ask, why, why does God do this? Why mm. does God do this? And, and, uh, and, and so I think with regard to that question, you know, the, you know, looking to Christ, you know, St. Bonaventure once said that he was asked if he could only have one book for the rest of his life, 
what book would it be? And I'm thinking the friars must have expected him to, you know, to say the Bible, the Bible. or, or the maybe writing. at the outlaws, you know, the writings, uh, you know, of, of St. Francis or something. Right, I don't know, something right? Prophetic, something yeah. prophetic. And he said, St. Bonaventure said to the friars, he said, I would take um, a crucifix. He said, because I could spend the rest of my life reading yep. the crucifix and never plumb the depths of the mysteries of God. Never explore every option that right? you could. And so when we are faced with human suffering and people say, why would God do this? First of all, God doesn't do that. And there's many ways in which God expresses that throughout the scriptures, that he doesn't do these things. He permits these things right. to occur. Um, but he's always inviting us to charity, always inviting us to love, always inviting us to mercy, always inviting mm-hmm. us to generosity. So as we look at the cross, we see, you know, no matter what I've been through, no matter what I'm suffering today, um, it's nothing like right. the suffering of Christ. He's perfectly innocent. I'm not. Right. Um, he came and loved perfectly. I don't. Um, he knew, you know, what he was willing to do. I, I have no, no inkling of what. I, I choose myself more more likely than someone else. And yeah. He chose us. He over. chose us over, and he chose the will of the Father, and he trusted in the will of the Father. And so, then that's time, a big word: trust. Trust. Yeah, and so that God doesn't want our suffering. No. God permits our suffering so that right. we can grow in greater, greater love. Um, right. And so, and for us to respond to the to the evils of this world with generosity, with mercy, with kindness, with devotion. And so, yeah, no, that's, I, I would say that's one of the biggest challenges and people face that day in and day out and they, they struggle so much and to turn them to Christ um, is, is, the, is the constant constant call here. Well, every morning it's a choice. You make a choice to convert. You know, you don't, I mean, you have to decide every morning, I'm going to be... For God, I'm going to love well, just God. Just the very word you use, conversion, right? To turn, version mm-hmm. to verse, to, to turn with, to turn with, to turn, turn with whom? With. I'm conver- I'm converting to um, whom? Yeah, I'm, I'm turning with God this with morning. God. Yep. With God, this morning. And you so. have to make that choice, and, and that that's, I guess, a good definition of why we have suffering. Is I know, so we I, choose know, Him. Yeah, you know, the, there's a lot of speakers out there, but uh, you know. Uh, when I was working in seminary formation, one of my colleagues, uh, a very good priest from Arlington, uh, Virginia, Father Dan Hanley, uh, used to always preach, you know, uh, wake up, make your bed, and say your morning offering. Yep. You've accomplished at the first, you know, seconds of your day, a spiritual work and a, and a material <laughs> work, work for the good of the world. Right. You've, given, you've world. given yourself and, and, you know, your loved ones and the whole world to, to God, and you've made your bed. And you've made your bed. <laughs> so I, if I don't do anything the rest of you the day, I've accomplished two great things. <laughs> two great things. Yeah. And it puts you right on track to accomplish more. Yeah. yeah. So there's some mornings when I, uh, when I don't, uh, I don't have that kind of motivation, but Father Hanley's uh, voice it echoes in the like, back of my head. Okay. I'll make okay. my bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Father, we had, I mean, we, we didn't get too many questions, but we had a great straight talk. Is something you want to do again? Yeah, this would be great. Yeah. I would encourage uh, our callers uh, and our listeners to call in or Facebook in and and uh, next time we do this, we'll uh, we'll get some other questions. You know, yeah. I know there's a lot of things out there that people are on people's minds, and uh, we're we're ready to we're ready to tackle them and yeah. and uh, go head on. I mean, Jesus Christ is uh, the answer to which every human question, uh, every human life is the question, right? Right. I mean, where do we go? To whom shall we go? He right. has the words of everlasting life. He is the way and the truth and the and life. So. so now we have to move on because, I mean, we'd love to just spend the rest of the time, t- you know, talking and discussing, but we have other guests. So 
How can we reach out to the youth to pull them into the life of the church? Well, stay tuned to Real Presence Live, and we'll be discussing that and so much more with Jacques Daniel here at the cathedral. He's here. He's, He's here now, so come on back. We're waiting for you. So. Real Presence Live, Rapid City, South Dakota. <laughs>